Oh, good day, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Wrap brought to you by Crowcast, of course. Uh, not a great result, but not a bad effort by the boys. Tons to talk about today, and without any further ado, let's get right into it, shall we? go a bit of a weird intro but that's okay uh good evening everyone uh as i just get my tea out of my mouth <laughs> oh my god uh welcome to the weekend wrap again g'day to everyone who's joined us in discord and on youtube and on twitch of course uh big show again this week and uh joining me as usual is nikki how are you going nick i'm going good good to hear and back with us after some technical difficulties maca how are you going mac you're flat to be back, mate. <laughs> I disappeared into the ether last week. You did. You did. I had no studio, no studio to come back to. Look, and there was major controversy because, uh, you know, people thought that I'd censored you for, for saying stupid things or whatever. That wasn't the case. That wasn't the case at all. Uh, it was just some weird glitch uh, exacerbated by some uh, invaders into our uh, live studio audience because I'd set this damn thing to public instead of private and uh, it all just went to shit after that. <laughs> but we're here. We're here, guys, and uh, uh, lots to talk about. Obviously, a loss today to the Demons um, and although it blew out to 41 points, I didn't think it was too bad at showing for much of the game. Mac, what do you reckon? Yeah, look. They are going to, at the moment, they sit top of the ladder. We sit 17th, and I would say that uh, they got some cheap goals at the, at the very, very end of the game. And yes, for, the rest of, uh, for the rest of the game, I thought for first versus 17th, I thought we did, we put up a pretty good show. And uh, our immaturity, we've got a lot of young boys. We made some uh, very fundamental errors. We, we could have been a lot closer than that as well. So, yeah, I thought we played pretty well. Nick? Yeah, for me, there was a whole lot of positives to take out of the game. Um, and just particularly watching that first quarter, you, we kind of let Melbourne know they were up for a, a quite a hard footy game. And, yeah. you know, that's all they could actually ask for going into finals. We did exactly the same thing last year to Richmond and they were quite appreciative of getting such a tight pressure game. So to see our young guys applying that kind of pressure to such a top side was good to see. Agreed. Agreed. I thought that was uh, very much the case, both of you. Uh, so that's the end of the rap show. Thanks very much for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> we done. <laughs> no, look, uh, don't forget, in the live studio audience, if you want to have your say, uh, you're most welcome to. Just stick your virtual hand up and we'll have you in for a bit of a chat. Um, don't forget also that uh, anyone that wants to join into the chat during game days, even though there's only one round left, uh, please join our Discord um, community. We're up to nearly 220, which is excellent, uh, considering we started with probably a third of those numbers at the beginning of the year. So uh, really good, 
we'd like to build on that uh, over the course of the off-season leading into the new year. And uh, if you want to throw us any support on uh, Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash AFL Crowcast and all our supporters are much appreciated. All right, Macca, without further ado, why don't we just get into uh, Macca's beloved weekend results, shall we? Um, Let's do it. There we go. I, I don't know where your bloody music's gone, but well, it's okay. That doesn't matter. That's okay. We'll start off with Macca's weekend results without any music. Oh, there it is. Yeah. It was there. Oh, oh damn. <laughs> well, I, I was going to see if you hung in the background, mate. Just for a moment it was there. <laughs> uh, never mind. All right. Uh, Friday night uh, we had the Giants killing off, killing oh. off um, the... Uh, the finals hopes of uh, Richmond. The Giants getting up 16-10-106 to Richmond 10-7-67. Surely now that's game over for Richmond. Margin there of 39 points. The Giants keeping themselves in the hunt. I've been saying for weeks, mate, they're gone. They're gone. Absolutely gone. And can't make it. Even if they did, they couldn't do anything. Uh, Josh Kelly, eight-year contract. Showed why they, they signed him up. Although I don't know whether he's still going to be playing that well when he's 34 or 35. Uh, but, yeah, but he and uh, Hopper dominated in the middle. Toronto up forward. Uh, Richmond just couldn't match them. Short and Baker did a good job for them, but not many other players did. And they're not a shadow of the side they were. And they can't uh, use excuses for uh, injuries or stuff like that. Everybody else has them. No, At the moment, to be very honest, Richmond are pretty poor. Nick, did you see the game? I saw the scores <laughs> and I was commiserating with a Richmond friend. Yeah. Uh, she, she, she was making the unfortunate choice of initially watching it and then halfway through just went, oh, God, here we go. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of uh, fatigue, I think, in that club. A couple of off-field things, a couple of blokes maybe nearing the end of their uh, of their tether, um, but uh, they'd be disappointed to miss the eight altogether um, after having won the flag last year. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how Richmond bounce back over the off-season, uh, in my opinion. Um, because they've got a little bit of work to do and maybe a little bit of list adjustment to make uh, with a couple of blokes, I think. Agree with all of that. All of it. All right. Uh, now, Alistair Clarkson just keeps sticking his middle finger up at Jeff Kennett and uh, <laughs> saying to him, well, stuff is, I'm just going to keep winning. Nineteen <laughs> sixty-four over the Bulldogs, if you don't mind, 5-7-37, the Hawks by 27 points. Well, as you've been saying, uh, Clarkson, he's a man with pride. He is the master, and he's going to stuff up their draft pick, get them up as high as he can. 100%. Um, he doesn't get Yep. Uh, you know, he, he, they had no O'Meara. They had no uh, Walpole in the middle. So, you know, there's no excuses for the dogs whatsoever. Uh, uh, but they did bring in this Nukem. And he's a bloody tackling machine, and I reckon he tackled everybody on the oval except the umpires. I'll tell you what he was doing. He was insane, wasn't he? He's a good Um, lad. He's a good lad, Newcomb. I think he'll he'll go well. But as for the game, well, look, I just think that the Hawks just pressured the dogs in the middle and they couldn't get their game flowing. And uh, it was a concerning loss, I would think, because, you know, we only 
one more match till the finals, and they're playing Port in the coming week. Yeah. And uh, they they really need to win that game to get back on track because I thought their game was pretty poor. Uh, Wingard was a surprise. He actually looked like a footballer for a change. Well, he's had a good he's had a good six weeks, Chad Wingard. He had a little bit of talk about him coming back to Adelaide next season. Uh, um, I don't know whether. Uh, well, personally, I don't think he's the right fit. Um, but he's certainly got plenty of good football left in him. I think. I'll have him. Yeah, I don't know. A bit flaky. Anyway, uh, then we had the Cats getting over a gallant St Kilda. The Cats 13785 to St Kilda 11 14 points in the end. The Cats momentarily on top after that win. Yep. Uh, good game, actually. Um, it was, you know, it was uh, a real battle for both sides. Um, Geelong was uh, stronger. They had Cameron Smith come back in. And uh, Dangerfield uh, decided to put on a, one of his Dangerfield shows. And when he plays like that, he's a very, very hard man to beat, and which makes his team a very, very hard man to beat. Still was very, very good for the Saints in the first half, but he faded in the second half. And Very in mind, though, that Geelong have lost Stewart for the season, and that might hurt them in the finals. Um, but anyhow, um, it, was a, it was a pretty good game of footy overall. And uh, as I said, Dangerfield outstanding. Cameron gets four goals. Um, Geelong just that little bit better Yeah, just ticking along at the moment Geelong Can't quite get a read on them But they keep winning And then we had a weird game Because when I turned on in the first quarter uh, In the Port-Carlton game I think Carlton were up And I'm thinking here we go And then I didn't watch the game I had some other stuff going on And then I read the score And it's 21-14-140 to 5-15-45 And Port have got up by 95 points <laughs> what yeah, this... happened? <laughs> they they got five points in the last half. The last two and a half quarters, Nikki. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, yeah, as PJ said, they were four goals up, and then Port started to get the run on, and then it just went on from there. Yeah, nineteen goals on the trot to nothing. Wow. You know, unbelievable. And uh, I know we're going to say much more about it because I hate Port, but um, <laughs> they did actually. It's it's sad, really, because they got an easy kill. Uh, their confidence will be high, and there wasn't much resistance from Carlton at all. Walsh, uh, uh, he could always hold his head up high. Kennedy, who they got from GWS, he played a reasonable game, but, gee, nobody else, nothing there. No. Um, <clears throat> they're a horrific wreck of a, of a club, as we've said before, and I'd hate to be supporting them. Anyway, uh, Porter got uh, the Bulldogs next week, haven't they? That's going to be a monster of a game, I think. Excellent game. That'll do, that'll sort of sort it out a little bit, won't it? Well, Port win, they go top. Uh, and uh, Well, Port win, they've got a chance to go top. Bulldogs win, they've got a chance for top two, uh, depending on what happens in the, uh, in the Melbourne-Geelong game. So uh, it's a very good final round with the top four playing each other. Uh, very interesting. Yeah, it certainly is. Yep. Yeah. Uh, then we had the Lions getting up over Collingwood, 22-10-142. The Collingwood side not quite doing as well as Carlton, only going down by 85 points, 8-9-57. Yeah, look, it was a practice match. Sorry, Nikki. I was just going to say, bloody Collingwood, if they'd, you know, I was hoping that they kind of got a win so that we could take a step above us, but no, nah, bastards. No, nah, we've still got yeah. plenty of percentage on. 
But before the Lions, like, yeah, well, it was just a practice match, really. And uh, and they did make the most of it. Uh, Neil got his uh, form back. And Zorko, well, he's been playing pretty well all year. And McCluggy, he, he, was, he was a very nice draft pick with him. He's a, going to be a very, very good player. Agreed. Uh, Danaher did all right. Yep. Yeah, so Joe, he's always a, gives you some entertainment, and uh, he yeah. did do well. For Collingwood, well, you can't say much. Adams, Tagoe, Chris, and Sidebob, they, they got a few touches and probably stood out. Stood out because they were in a bad team and the others didn't, yeah. didn't do anything. Not much not much uh, competition for, for views on that one. North Melbourne, uh, at halftime, they were all gone, and then... Uh, I kept watching the scores and I thought, oh, will they? Will they? But eventually, no, they didn't. <laughs> 12 5 77 going down to the Swans by 14 points, 13 13 91, and locking up Jason Horn. Well, I only tuned into this in the last quarter, and North Melbourne were about three goals down, and then they got goal, 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 and I'm starting to think, Horn, 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 yeah. and then Sydney goes. And then City said, no, no, no. He kicked about three goals. And that was the end of the horn dream. And, uh, look, a good effort by North Melbourne. And if both sides play up to form, there'll be a very interesting game against North Melbourne. And it'll be interesting who wants to win and who doesn't want to win. North Melbourne can afford to win. We can't really afford to win um, because of Collingwood. So um, I would be making a few changes for our side next week. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get to yeah. that one. We'll get to that one, but hey, uh, Collingwood are not winning next week. No, who they got? They got Brisbane, haven't they, or someone? They've got Essendon. Essendon, that's right. Yeah, and, and Essendon uh, need to win for a chance to get in. Speaking of Essendon, they just smacked the Suns by a lazy sixty-eight points, fourteen fourteen ninety-eight to the Suns four six thirty. The Suns again tailing off at the business end of the season. Uh, although uh, they haven't been terrible this year, the Suns in patches, um, shown a little bit of something in, at times, but Essendon far too good. Well, I think it was last week they won, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, the Suns, and then when you look, watch them uh, play today, you wonder how the hell did they win a game? Um, they're very, very ordinary. And I, I watched it for a while and I got so tired of watching this pathetic football they were putting up, eventually I ended up... Uh, tuning out for about the last half of the last quarter. I couldn't stand any more of it. Very ordinary effort by uh, Gold Coast. Very ordinary. Yeah, and I maintain Essendon still a danger team in that top eight if they make the finals. And uh, with uh, the next result, uh, it's seeming likely that they might. Actually, with the Dockers getting up, a weird game, this one. Weird game. Dockers absolutely belted the Eagles in the first quarter, then decided to go home for two and a half quarters. And then ended up hanging on by fifteen points, twelve seven ninety nine to nine ten sixty four. Yeah, I saw somebody put in the chat that to give up two first round draft picks for Kelly was not a very smart move on uh, by West Coast. And uh, yeah, when you look at what happened today, and uh, they need they do need some uh, fresh young blood in there as well. Um, they're going nowhere, West Coast. They're, they're in that sort of stage where we were when we were hanging around somewhere between fourth to eighth type, type of thing, um, and I think they're going to go slide a little bit below that. So I think they every club overestimates where they're at, and I think they overestimated where they were at. I think you could probably forgive them for that, Maka. Um, 
I must admit I'm surprised at how much West Coast have tailed off this season. I thought they'd still be in the mix. So um, I don't know. I don't know. You're right. Teams do overestimate. We're a classic example of that. Uh, we overestimated our, our squad after 2017. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, West Coast have still got some stars in that team. No, they've got some very, very good players but they are in their team. And... Uh... They're, they're ageing, if you have a look at them, where uh, about half their team is now getting very close to the stage where there isn't a lot of football left in them. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think they're going to they're gonna end up sliding down the ladder in the next few years. Yeah, so we have a look at the, uh, the ladder, and uh, that's not going to help anyone because it's not even fitting in the screen. Um, but anyway, we have Melbourne on top on 66 points, uh, Geelong, Port on 64, and the Bulldogs on 60. So uh, I don't think, uh, well, um, the only way Brisbane can get into that top four is if uh, Port belt the Western Bulldogs next week. Uh, Correct. Uh, Sydney, even though they're also on 56 points, so their percentage isn't near it. Uh, the Giants on 42, um, hanging precariously uh, with a bad percentage, uh, but half a game in hand, which is going to be handy. Uh, Essendon in the eight, probably the most deserved team, I reckon, around the eight mark to uh, to be there on 107%, which is pretty good. Outside the eight now, we've got uh, the Eagles also on 40 points, Richmond on 36 points, along with St Kilda and Fremantle. Carlton on 32 points, Hawthorne on 30, marching up the table. <laughs> uh, Gold Coast on 28, Collingwood on 24 along with us, and we're 8% down on them, and then North uh, coming last on twenty on 18 points, I should say. So, you know, um, it looks like we've got pick two, um, barring any catastrophe. Um but there's a lot of interest around the, the top of the table, obviously, with the top four playing against each other. And, um, you know, Brisbane in with a sneaky and uh, a little bit of interest down around the eight as well um, with Essendon by far looking the stronger team. Now, who do they play next week? Let me have a look. They play Collingwood. So Essendon play Collingwood. They should win. Um, where else are we? Let me just have a look here. What have we got next week? We've got uh, Eagles and Lions. Uh, the Lions, you would think, will uh, put pay to West Coast hopes. Uh, Carlton and the Giants. So you think the Giants would stay in the eight? Essendon and Collingwood. Well, Essendon will only have themselves to blame if they miss the eight uh, from mm-hmm. here. Uh, the Cats and Melbourne will be a classic. Um, one, a very well-organised team, and one, a very strong team in my opinion, uh, but it's down at Geelong, so it'll be a test for Melbourne. Uh, Richmond and Hawthorne, uh, I would back Clarkson in to make it. What would that make it? Four in a row after his an announcement? I reckon it's four on the trot. Yep. He's won three on the trot, and uh, this, this would be four. Yep. Uh, St Kilda Frio, uh, both of those need to win to have any stupid chance of getting in, although neither of them can, I don't think. Uh, Sydney and the Suns, you would think Sydney would want to uh, have a good hit out prior to the finals. The Bulldogs and Port will be an absolute classic on a fast deck at Marvel. Um, 
and it'll be interesting to see how Western Bulldogs bounce back leading into the finals because uh, the last couple of weeks have been a bit shaky and then uh, obviously uh, what was going to be the Horn Francis Cup is now just the last game of the season for two teams that would rather forget 2021. Yep, the interesting thing about those two top matches you were talking about, the ones that are going to determine uh, probably three matches that will determine the top four and the order of the top four, Mm. is that in the last few seasons we've had a bye and uh, and then we then we have the finals and for that reason uh, the clubs have been picking their best team for that last match of the year. Prior when we didn't have a bye, they used to rest on some of their good players. Yep. But now, but this is an interesting situation because the AFL are talking about the possibility of uh, not having a bye and just going straight on with the finals. What would the, and that, that would uh, mean that the these teams wouldn't have the luxury of risking their players because it's going to determine where they finish. Have they actually? I thought they actually decided not to have the bye, or is that still up in the air? Um, I, I thought it was up in the air, but uh, they may have uh, said they're not, not going to. Uh, 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 what do you call it? Get rid of it. Uh, but I haven't seen it. That may be the case. I don't know out there. They probably know better than us. Yeah. Anybody uh, out there? No. Yeah. Maybe. Well, I know. I know that they're actually talking about because they want the grand final in front of a crowd. It's likely that the grand final is going to be in Perth. Well, that's what they're talking at the moment. Uh, the whole issue of COVID is, is quite an interesting one, given that um, uh, Melbourne is continuing to experience some outbreaks and some uh, worrying numbers. Um, you would think that what's likely to happen is that they... I reckon what, what might happen is that they might uh, um, play the first two weeks of the finals in Melbourne and then uh, send everyone over to a, to Western Australia. But how they're going to deal with Western Australia not imposing a 14-day quarantine is beyond me. Yeah. So, that, that, so yep. Adelaide is a possibility then. Yeah, but we've got the same situation. Um, although I'm... A, and I've, got, I've just got to say this, right? This is nothing about footy, but you had the ASCE coming out last week and cracking the shits because we made the South Australian Olympians do another 14 days. And even even some of those Olympians came out and said, well, we understand why. But if the ASC were just so concerned about it, do you reckon they might have booked direct flights to Adelaide instead of sending their bloody South Australian kids to Sydney and <laughs> making them go through a quarantine in the first place? Yep. Yep, I, I agree. What an absolute load of bullshit. But, and all the uproar about, oh, you know, it's so inhumane and all the rest of it. Well, how about planning a bit better? Maybe just don't send them to South Australia, given that the last time we had someone come in from New South Wales, we had to lock down for seven days. Anyway, enough enough of that. Enough of that. I, it just pissed me off. It really did. Anyway, but, um, yeah, so I don't know. It, we seem to be a bit shunned with the whole... Uh, with the fact that we're quite uh, quite strict with our lockdowns and our and our uh, border policies, etc. I don't know where that's coming from. Uh, our border policies, etc. But um, nevertheless, I don't think we'll be involved in in uh, in the finals this year. They have allowed uh, corridors in there before, you know, fly in, fly out. Uh, so I mean, that happened with Carlton, for example. The trouble is we've only got one venue, Mac, 
if we had a couple of and I think one of the reasons why they want to keep it in Victoria is first of all to contain the teams but two because they've got three venues there they've got GMHBA oh. they've got Marvel and they've got the G no, I was talking about it, only about the uh, grand final because um, if we maintain COVID free, then it's a possibility. And if the GF was going to be in Adelaide, that they could have a full house yeah. and not have to quarantine. I don't know, mate. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Anyway, because at the moment it's it's looking doubtful. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, and of course, it was the Crows versus Melbourne today, and the Crows after being in the hunt for. You know, a reasonable portion of the game. We ended up going down by 41 points, so uh, seven goals, really. 16-8, um, 104-9963. Um, but uh, as mentioned at the top of the show, I actually didn't mind it. I didn't mind the effort. Effort was outstanding. I thought the effort was really good. It only died in the... We did really die, or the mids died, and allowed the ball to come out very easy in about the last five to eight minutes of the game when uh, they got about four very easy goals and made it look a lot, lot worse than it really was. It was a reasonably good uh, game and not that big a margin uh, all the game. In fact, if we kicked uh, goals that we should have kicked, it could have been very, very close. We missed a lot of set shots that we should have kicked and, uh, you know, it's something we've done all year. Worked our asses off, got into a position where we should have should get a goal and then just miss it and get only get the one single effort, uh, single point for it rather than get the six. But um, I thought that we, uh, yeah, somebody says 23 points at the 23-minute mark in the last yeah. quarter, and that'd then be about mid- right. Well, then our midfield decided they'd pack up early. They did. I mean, there was there was no resistance to that ball coming out. Not in the last no five resistance. minutes, No. <laughs> No. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, unfortunately. Look, uh, as usual, we'll go through the uh, the team selection first, and I don't think there was anything too dramatic about uh, about team selection, did you? No, no. Uh, I don't think there was anybody there that they picked that they, put, that they should, um, or anybody that's sitting in the twos that, uh, should have got a game. Um, I think that you know, the, I think they picked a side which was as balanced as they uh, as they wanted. But somebody said Gallant should have got a run. Well, apparently, he approached, approached the coach and he asked for a game, but didn't still didn't get one. Well, I think um, Gallant, Gallant specifically asked uh, Nixie uh, he to, did. To, to do a job on Jake Lever. Mm. And uh, to be perfectly honest with you, Macca, why did we pick Tom Lynch? We just we just uh, announced that we're not giving him a contract. Yeah, look, it's a it's an interesting thing because in principle you're right in the sense that why pick him when uh, he's not going to be there anymore? Um, I think the reason he's picked is to try and help the young lads um, so that we don't have. No, I just think it is just to make it uh, a little bit more balanced for them so they don't feel like they're battling on their own. Um, the more young lads you've got... It doesn't matter. I mean, we've got D-Mac in the side who's played 950 seasons of AFL football and was still making the same mistakes he make, made when he started. Tom Lynch did what Tom Lynch does. He does a couple of good things. He gets a lot of the ball and he turns it over about 50% of the time. 
You know, and keep into a man of the mark once. What's the point? Yeah. There's no point. There's just absolutely no point. A perfect game, a perfect opportunity to give Lockie Gallant a bit of reward for his last two months of football, and just put him in. There's just absolutely no excuse for it. You asked me why they put him in. I, I would have gone along with you and put him, put Gallant in. But I think mm. this is what their thinking is. Mm. Yeah, I would have put personal. Personally, I would have, you know, if I was the coach and Galland approached me like that and in the situation that we're in, that he's been playing uh, well in the twos, I think, yeah, yeah, he should have probably gone in. And I would have said, okay, mate, you, you reckon you can do it? You show me. And you, at least he would have had a youngster having a fair red, red hot crack. And, uh, I, and, I, and you're quite right, the margin doesn't matter at all, really. But I think this is their thinking. You know, Nick's, I don't think he likes to see his side get trashed because... Uh, so they don't, the young block guys don't drop their head, and I think that's why he keeps uh, throwing in one or two senior players more than with him. Perhaps we would. Yeah, I, the thing of it is, um, it didn't even make any sex, sense from a selection point of view. Um, just the way they set up down back, we needed. It was never going to be uh, something that Shane McAdam was going to be able to do as, as a fourth forward to be able to lock lock. Lever down or to make him accountable, um, and then you've got D Mac and Lockie Murphy on the other half forward flanks. Never, never going to work. We needed a dedicated player, um, just the same as we tried to do that for a little while on Alia Alia the week before. But you know, I, we could have we could have kept Tom Lynch and dropped David McKay. We could have uh, dropped Tom Lynch. We could have dropped Lockie Murphy. To be honest with you. Um, Either of those three players could have made way for Lockie Gallant. I think Lockie Gallant deserved a run, and I think it was stupid selection to keep him out. Yep, fair enough. What do you reckon, Nick? Um, I agree with it. The fact that we knew that um, Rob was out with a knee injury and they were bringing Strawn in, I, I think Gallant should have had a chance and the fact that he had the guts to go to the coach and say, I want to play and this is what I want to do. You know, how many young players actually have the guts to go to their senior coach and say that? Uh, Harry Schomburg about a month ago. Yes. <laughs> Give me some time yeah, in the middle. And, and and look at what it's doing. Exactly, exactly, Nick. And it worries me. It worries me that the coach needs to be approached by his players. And yes, it's a good story, you know. You know, the young lad who approaches the coach, blah blah blah. We've got nine hundred and fifty coaches around these this squad, and they're paid to be able to make these decisions. It shouldn't take the player to go and plead with the coach to um, to get an opportunity. It's just not right. Just not right. Um, uh, and while we're on uh, people coming in, uh, the last time Kieran Strawn played, I was scathing. Uh, you were. I said I didn't, look, didn't, didn't look like an AFL footballer. Um, and whilst I didn't think uh, it was, um, by any stretch, a perfect game, if you have a look at Maxi Gorn's numbers, you'll see that uh, Kieran actually played quite wide of Gorn for a, a long periods of the game. Um, but I thought his ruck work was excellent and I thought he gave us a little bit around the ground. So it certainly wasn't a terrible game by Kieran by any stretch and he certainly looked far more uh, far more likely 
this time round than it did last year. Yeah, he ran out of petrol tickets in the last quarter. There's no doubt about that. But he, he would never have done that much running in his life, I don't think. But I was very irritated by the commentators in the uh, right at the start of the game. Uh, the first two two times that he went up against Gorn, they called Gorn getting the hit out when Strawn got the bloody hit out. I yeah. mean, I thought, give the lad some bloody credit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I thought at at the start he did he was beating Gorn at uh, with that very long arm of his getting up there and tapping it. Mm. But uh, as the game went on, I thought uh, he tired because he and he obviously would not have played with this amount of pressure before. Um, and uh, it, but he's he's not hopeless. I thought he did a reasonably good job. If he was actually able to. Um get involved more aerially around the ground, he'd be a better option than O'Brien because he's a far better ruckman, far better ruckman yes. um, than Riley O'Brien. Uh, he showed some variety in his tap work, different hit zones, uh, wasn't put off by um, Gorn and even that young lad uh, who's probably going to win the Rising Star um, did pretty well against him as well. Um, just probably didn't have as much of an impact around the ground as Riley, but did enough to make you suggest that maybe he could, uh, given a, a string of games. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens. Um, and, you know, I'm happy to eat my words on that one because I, I actually was surprised he was kept on the list last year. Uh, but he seems to have come on a little bit more and uh, doing quite well. He's been playing well um, in the SNFL. Uh, rucking there, he's probably been close to the dominant ruckman in the SNFL yeah. uh, for probably about a year and a half. Yeah. Uh, that didn't seem to translate last time, uh, Nick. Um, but no, s- could certainly see it this time around. I, I you know, I, I'm happy to, I, I'm happy to be proven wrong by players. You know, we'll talk about a couple of players that I that I feel uh, have proven me wrong, and maybe a few other pundits as well um, tonight. Um, but he was certainly one of them. All right, let's have a look at some head-to-head now while I'm getting all this set up. Don't forget, if you are in um, uh, the live studio audience, uh, don't forget to get around the chat. If you want to have uh, your say, put your virtual hand up and uh, we will certainly be happy to have you on um, the live studio chat. So don't be shy. All right, let's have a look at some head-to-heads. Disposals. Um, and it was uh, Melbourne 352 to us 386. Uh, 215 to 220 handball uh, kicks were about right. We had a few more handballs, 137 to 166. Uh, I hate the way the screen does this all the time. Uh, inside 50, so 59 to 47 in Melbourne's favour. Uh, disposal efficiency both up around the 70 to 75 mark, which was fine. Um, 21 shots from 47 inside 50s, not too bad a return. Uh, free kicks. Um, I'm not saying the umpires cost us the game, but they were bloody shit today. Um, and uh, 26 to 18 <laughs> in Melbourne, Melbourne's favour. They certainly didn't. Can, have, can, they were shit. Can somebody, yeah, yes, they were. And can somebody actually please get them a tape measure and show them what 15 metres actually is and what 20 metres is? Because they were continually thinking that 20 metre plus kicks were, went only for 15 metres. And there was a case of two of them actually happened where there was one that was definitely the long, the first long kick, which was at least 20, if not more, got called 
as play on, and yet the next kick, which was much closer to 15 metres, fuck. And I'm just like, same umpire, two immediate kicks after the other, and you've got no idea of distance already, dude. Well, my thunder, I was going to raise that very one because we kicked the one that was uh, play on, and uh, they managed to get the ball back off us and kicked it about, I thought, about 12 metres if it was lucky, yeah. and that was a, <laughs> yeah, that was called a mark. And the, the, these umpires, um, they said in the chat that, wasn't so much they were biased, but every 50-50 decision went Melbourne's way. Well, there were three goals at least given to Melbourne in their forward line for freeze that just weren't there. Not 50-50, just weren't there. And uh, I thought we really did get a very, very raw prawn from the from the umpires. A raw prawn. Um, I, I tell you what, if you want to see a raw prawn, you watch the umpiring performance uh, over in the Derby. My God, did those umpires want bloody West Coast to get up over the line? They, they made yeah, some shockers. They made some shockers. Anyway, uh, hit outs 47 or 28, as you'd expect in Melbourne's favour. Clearances were even, 34-36, uh, 14-11 in centre, which isn't a bad outcome considering their engine room. Uh, and mm-hmm. very good around stoppage, 20-25. to 25. Contested possession, dead even. Uh, we had much more of the ball on the outside. Um, uh, you can see, uh, basically... Time and possession, though. Uh, Melbourne uh, had more of the ball for the match, but which is kind of weird considering possession was fairly even. Uh, 92 to 97 marks, 12 marks each inside 50. That's the best marks inside 50 re- we've had for ages. Uh, and 9 to 14 contested marks. I can't remember the last time we were up on contested marks. Uh, intercepts even. Um, so, uh, tackles 77 to 63. Anytime you get over 60, it's not a bad effort. Tackles inside 50 for the first time in a while. We got over double figures, but it was still a bit lacking, I believe. Uh, one percenters uh, shows Melbourne 42 to 38. It didn't seem to have a big impact. So, um, not a huge amount to be gleaned from those team stats. Uh, we did seem to get the ball a bit on the outside and had more uncontested possessions. But I think that was actually the way we were trying to play the game uh, and trying to get through Melbourne's uh, defences. It didn't often work. Um, and we did turn it over a little bit uh, at the half-forward line. That's how I saw it. Well, I, I, yeah, I think in terms of the game, I think most of it was, uh, except that last bit when uh, they got the last three or four goals so easily out of the centre, if you just leave that out out of the conversation, I thought that we played every bit as well as they did, except that when they had opportunities to get a goal, they got one, and we had many, many opportunities to get a goal that we just absolutely blew. And if we'd kicked them, it would have it would have been absolutely uh, scores locked away, and maybe even us slightly in front. I just thought that we wasted so many opportunities in the forward line. For me, what I quite liked, particularly when you were talking about the midfield stuff, I liked how we set up when we knew we were setting up for the spoil for a mark and the way we would then flick the handballs around um, and the positioning was actually quite good and then proactive, um, which helped a lot. And there were a couple of those handballs through traffic, um, like with bodies and everything else. So sometimes it didn't quite work and they picked it off, but it, it was nice to really see how proactive and attacking um, that was. As Surface has said, um, Schoenberg wasn't used by some of her mids when 
the handball was on, which was true. We we sometimes they some of those older mids would do the safety go backwards instead of that, that forward one. It was when our younger players were often involved that we were doing that handball forward, handball forward, handball. Just keep doing it till we can get that breakout player on the outside, and that was really nice to see. I agree with you, Nikki, and that's uh, exactly how it was. And, uh, and there was some excellent bit of play because occasionally that goes astray, and when it does go astray, it can go bang in reverse and get you. And uh, yeah. that happened a couple of times. Yeah, we did get done a little bit on the – we got caught on the break a little bit, um, which was unfortunate. Uh, I think Melbourne's first couple of goals actually were exactly that, catching us, you know, just on the break and – we're just ahead of the ball, and you know that's a, you're not going to you're not going to bag a team for for trying to run ahead of the ball, which is what we were doing to good effect for large portions of that first half. Um, but when when we did miss a handball, and again it was the senior players that were hitting the toes with the handballs more often than not. Um, you know we tend to get we tend to get penalised quite heavily by Melbourne on that one. Yeah, you mate Lynch did a couple of very nice handballs, but he also did a couple at the feet, which were very costly as well. Um, and that, that's Tommy all over. He'll do some really nice things, um, but he overrates himself. There was one kick that he tried to do, I think it was in the third quarter, where he tried to, he was on the half-forward line just outside the 50, and he just tried to thread it through, and there was just no way he was ever going to make that kick. It was such a low-percentage kick. And unfortunately, that's what Tom does more often than not. He just goes for the low percentage. And not only does it not come off, but it catches everyone out of position. And we often get burnt by those turnovers. Yeah, I, I had a chuckle when you said that because I knew that was going to come up. But, but you're right. You're right. He does overestimate his own ability. And, and he really does. I mean, the, the handball that uh, he shot out that got us a goal of the goal square, that, that was just brilliant. It was fantastic, you, yeah. Yeah, and that was so quick and fast. That was a quality amble. You rarely see one as good as that. But he also, you know, you don't see as many as bad as uh, some of the ones that he put at their feet as well, which then usually went, uh, resulted in a turnover. So, yeah, I think he does overestimate himself. I think well, a lot of footballers probably do. Um, oh, but no, I, I disagree. I disagree. I don't. I think players are taught to play the percentages more so these days than in any other era of football. Um, but Tom, well, doesn't, young Tom doesn't play the percentages. No, I think you're right. In this area that we're coming, all the lads coming through, uh, the younger younger ones don't overestimate, overestimate themselves. But uh, some of the experienced ones like Lynchy do. And uh, yeah, he, he can, as I said, he can do some really good things. But when he starts up, he usually it can be very costly as well. But he'll get picked up by another team. There's no doubt about that, unless. He is being lined up as a coach internally. Uh, I reckon he's got a couple of seasons left in him somewhere. Oh, he has in terms of playing, but um, there's been a little bit of talk about the possibility of him staying with the club in the capacity of a probably, a, well, not an assistant coach, a development coach perhaps. Yeah, I guess it depends. He's not going to get a, a million dollars for... Um... For being It'll a be coach. cheap. And, you know, he, he might be able to get two or three... He's only 30. He might get two or three more seasons out of his body um, at, you know, 350 a season. So that's not money to be sneezed at. So I wouldn't mind betting that he that he plays on um, and, uh, 
you know, maybe he will eventually obviously be a coach. Uh, the Crows would love to have him, but I think, you know, he's going to chase some money as he should. And probably one of the best things if he, if we do want him to get him back in as a coach, like we have done with Van Bello, go elsewhere, experience another club. Very good um, point. To be. I think it, and it, then come back. You do get a lot of benefit from playing in another club. Even, even if it's a bad club, you know what not to do. Yeah. Well, and the I, other thing, I would though, suggest that, that Van Berlo has been the least successful of our coaches this year. If you have a look at the CBAs, haven't been hmm. impressed. Anyway, go on. Yeah, I just kind of one of the other points where you talked about, and it's something that I've noticed from so many of those older senior players, is that consistent handballing to the feet. And we've done that for years. Correct. And it's driven me absolutely freaking nuts for, for, for years. And I'm so pleased to actually finally see these younger players that have learned how to actually handball at the chest and to the player's advantage as they're running forward. Um, it was just... It's just driven me nuts. So it's as much as some of these players have been great servants for the club, everything else, now is the time definitely to show them the door. Yeah. And the interesting thing about your, what you're saying there, Nikki, is that uh, I heard an interview with one of the uh, midfielders from the uh, Bulldogs, and they are very, very slick with their handballs, and nine times out of ten they get get it on their on their chest. When And often when they're really informed, they're throwing it around maybe four or five handballs in the middle and which uh, eventually gets them out into the open. And apparently they spend a long period of time every every uh, training night doing that. So well, that, they, have them, they have Sorry? a club. They have a club, Macca. It's called the Handball Club. And through the off-season they have a handball club and that's all they do. Yeah, well... Then And they, they really handball to the feet. I mean, obviously, if you make a mistake now again, but their dominance is really good handballs. Yep, handballs to the right side of a player, handballs to advantage, handballs in the uh, target zone between the knees and the shoulders. Um, you know, you don't see the Bulldogs fluff handballs. And it's not only not fluffing handballs, but receivers or potential receivers are always got their hands up ready. They're always ready. Yeah. They never fumble yep. a quick handball. They they do some lightning stuff, and um, you very rarely see them double double grab too. It's uh, just uh, one of their traits. All right, let's have a look at some individual stats. Uh, Mr. Seedsman, we had good seed today. Uh, 36 disposals, 20 <laughs> kicks, 16 handballs, three marks, one tackles, eight contested possessions, um, 28 uncontested possessions. Um, let's have a look here at what else he did. Ray seeds. Uh, he had two clearances, ten inside fifties. If you don't mind, seven hundred and fifty meters gained. Uh, ten score involvements, which is excellent. Um, what's IP? Shit, I don't even know what that is. Um, had four of them though. <laughs> but doesn't it make a difference when the bloke that gets it thirty odd times? Drops his eyes and uses the ball, Macca. Yeah. Does yes, it make does. a difference? Certainly does, and uh, he generally does. Um, no, no, I know he's not your favourite cup of tea, uh, but I think he uh, has had a great season overall, actually, and I think he'll be very, very high up in our best and fairest. And today, I think he was at his very, very best today. Um, no, he, did, he did long kicks, he did short kicks, but, but he was a very good user of the ball today, I thought. 
I just want to focus on this. I've just got his uh, heat map up here. And uh, this is what you want. All these possessions, uh, if you can see my little mouse thing here, all these possessions between center and, and the and the 50 meter arc. <clears throat> and that's where you want your forward 50 entries to come from. That mm. 60 to 65 meter out arc. And Seedsman, when he's used correctly, and when he actually looks to spot up, he's very, very damaging. And I was very happy, very happy with his work uh, today. And uh, if he did that all the time, Mac, uh, you just, like, it'd be so much, it'd be a different kettle of fish for for seeds if he just did that all the time. Yeah, well, you know, he, his game was uh, really spot on tonight today. And he's had, he's had others like it too, Fane. And, yes, he's had games where he's been a bit more reckless with his kicking, but... Um, Excellent game by him today. Excellent. Nick, what do you think? Uh, particularly that first quarter. Um, a, and the way we were bringing the ball in, it was very deliberate about how we were um, bringing that ball into the forward line to try and make sure Lever couldn't set up or we were trying to bring it in quite fast so that the, their whole defence couldn't set up. So it was lovely to to see that and you're spot on he was really lowering his eyes nicely um some of the stuff he was doing on that outside there was that run through um a number of times he started to get a little bit more quiet as the game wore on because i think they you know they they tried to to get back on top in that area because otherwise we really were some of those goals were those shots on goal were going to turn into goals and be quite um a problem for them but it was the good seed. You you were right, and I was as soon as he started playing well, and the commentators started praising him. I thought of you, Fane. I thought I of you. I did too. Well, I, all I've ever asked of him is to just lower the eyes. Like I haven't. I've been scathing of him because he hasn't lowered his eyes. It's been it's been a, a trait where him kicking down the line has just been irrelevant. And this week he lowered the eyes from his first kick inside fifty, where he'd spotted up someone about forty five meters out. He just did it the, pretty much the whole game, and that's that's all I ask from him. That's all I want from him. You know, um, and if they can get him, if if they can utilize him like that, and he gets the ball thirty six times, Macca. That's a that's a an amazingly powerful weapon to have in your side, someone who can get it that often on the outside and use it well. It's when he doesn't use it well, and when he plays too deep in defence and bef- behind the uh, the defensive fifty, that's when we lose any value out of him. Well, that, yeah, I agree. Um, he was actually getting the ball in a much better position, as you say, and slightly ahead of centre, which makes him yep. so much more damaging. Um, when he's in defence, he's still, I mean, he's still doing his job, but it doesn't have the same effect in, t- in terms of uh, damage to the other team. And, and that's a big thing. You've got to be, you've got to play the players in the position that they're going to hurt the opposition the most or make, make us the most difficult to play on. Do you know what I mean? And Seedsman yep. in that role where he's and we'll just show his his heat map again you can see there like the amount of possessions forward or or near center and on the wing um 
such a difference than having him back across half back and just pumping it up the line and us and Lockie Murphy going for a hang. So um, really happy with his game and really happy with how Seeds was plays, how he was used, uh, whether by design or whether that's just how the game panned out. Um, quite happy with that. Um, look, of the midfielders, uh, Benny Keys had 29 touches, uh, 14 kicks, 15 handballs, uh, 11 tackles, uh, doesn't give up, as we know, 16 contested possessions. Um, what do we think of Ben's game? Um, I thought it was a, a classic Ben Keyes game. It's not a refined game. He doesn't. He's not a refined player. He he's a player who is probably limited in his ability in his uh, natural ability compared to the real guns of the uh, midfield mid- midfielders. But there, he gives a hundred percent, and if you can give more than hundred percent, he gives that too, and uh, compensates for his lack of class by the amount of effort that he puts into it. He he, he puts his body on the line so many times and he wins some very, very hard balls. I thought he got a couple of hard uh, calls from the umpires today. Um, uh, I agree with you there. I thought he got done a couple of times. Yeah, twice. And uh, But I like his game because I like his game every week because he gives 100%. And he doesn't always use the ball as well as others, but you have to take that into, into account. That's what he's got. So he gives you 100% of what he's got. Uh, 23 centre bounce attendances, Mac. What do you make of that? Uh, well, I think he's uh, he's uh, he's required there because of his physicality. There were 25 centre ruck clearances for the game, and he attended 23 of them. Well, I think we. Well, we we're obviously using him in that physical capacity, you know, either to get the ball to try and stop the other from getting the ball to help Lady or whoever. Um, he, he wouldn't be there just because. He'd be there for a reason. Oh, I know he's there for a reason. And um, that, like I'm saying, that, but that's what my, my thinking is. The fact is that he he's either desperate to get the ball or if anybody else gets the ball from the opposition, he's desperate to tackle them, and uh, or if the lady, lady's got, he's happy to help him out where he can. So, no, I just think he's good value. Uh, let's have a look at Lady. Twenty-eight touches, twelve kicks, sixteen handballs, seven tackles. Um, also got a lot of the ball around half forward um, and on the wing. Fifty-seven um, percent of his possessions forward of centre. Disposal efficiency just under seventy percent. Eight contested possessions. Um, 20 uncontested possessions. Unusual, actually, for Rory to have that high disparity between contested and uncontested posies. Um, so that was interesting. Uh, eight score involvements. Uh, let's just have a look at his sense. So he attended 20 um, of a possible 26 centre bounces, uh, three clearances, uh, one centre clearance out of 20 attendances. Sorry, the other thing with Keys too, he's got a massive engine on him, I think. That's the other thing, that he can keep going, whereas some of the others can't. So that's one, that'd be one of the other reasons. Oh, no. Um, I, would th- yeah. I, would, I would think that someone who's been in the AFL system for seven or eight years has a good enough engine. But they still vary. They still vary. Well, Laird has. Uh, Sloan has. Um, Sloan, he was a lot better too today. 
Um, coming back to Laird, though, I thought Lady was a, a, a fairly typical Laird game. Um, although, as you say, he got a little bit uh, more out in the open possessions, but I still think he goes out the oval every time to give a hundred percent. And even if he had a bad game, you know, he's had he's given a hundred percent because that's the way he's made. He, he, but him, him and Keys, um, they're not classy midfielders. They're working mid- midfielders, and he, at least. You know they're going to give you 100% of what they've got. Nick? For, for me, I like the pair of them, but the problem is, as you're highlighting there, we shouldn't have both of them in at the same time for what they're doing. They're, they're good for what they are. They're the heart. They're the triers. Um, they've shown that they can get the ball. The problem is they're disposal and it's going to take a while to or in some cases we won't be able to fix that Mm. um but for me they should be the secondary midfielders with our top rung fast midfielders like Schoenberg and whoever we can hopefully pick up in the draft um that's what I want to to see from them you you cannot cannot fault either of their endeavour and you cannot fault the fact that they know how to get the ball. It's Our problem is with our midfield is they're not fast. When we come up and get midfields who are quality fast midfields, as they tire, they just can't go with them. Mm. Uh, and that's where we get in trouble. Yeah. Let's have a look at Slady. 25 touches, 16 and 9, probably his most... Proactive game for a while, I thought, from Rory. Nine tackles, seven marks. Um, got a lot of it around the midfield. Um, uh, 15 contested possessions, uh, 10 uncontested, uh, five intercept possessions. Had seven score involvements, uh, six uncontested marks. Only 285 metres gained, but he was very much playing that, that hit-up midfield target on transition. Um Three centre clearances from how many attendances? 25 attendances. 25 attendances. Three centre clearances yeah. out of 25 attendances. Yeah. Um, that's one of the reasons probably why he uh, was getting more of the ball, but um, he's still not Sloan that was, you know, our champion Sloan. Um I thought, I thought he was useful today and he was noticeable for a change. But, uh, and he put in, and he did put in great effort, etc. And he's always got courage. So I'd say he played a handy game, but not a dominant game. Uh, right. So Petrarca got, got four centre clearances, Keys four, Gorn three, Sloan three. Oliver 2, Sparrow 2, Jackson 2, Schoenberg 2, Brayshaw 1, blah, 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 blah. So, I mean, I guess in the context of the game, Sloanies wasn't a bad effort getting 3. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, Sloan, uh, I think this is one of Sloanies' better games this year. Yeah, it definitely mm. was. Um, And there were a couple, like there was one error, very glaring error, but... Once I actually saw the replay, I can understand why he didn't go in hard um, 
at that ball because of the way Langdon was coming at him head on. And with the new rules and everything else, he had to slow down and he had to turn and that made him miss the ball. So that was okay. Um, I thought his getting involved, as you said, and reading out those clearance numbers, we actually did pretty damn good getting clearances out of the centre up against that midfield. Yep. With with those three slower players who were not what I would call class. Yep. Um, I don't have numbers for uh, scores from clearances, but I think most of our scores actually came from uh, uh, from turnovers, uh, if yeah, I remember rightly. Yeah, well, our first six in our first six goals definitely all came from turnovers. Yeah. Now, one player who I thought um, I, I would have actually given him our best player today, and that was Ned McHenry. Um, I would have given him our best player over, oh, probably second best after Seisman. Um, 22 touches, 8 kicks, 14 handballs, 8 marks. Um, got around the ground a fair bit, uh, very much on the wings. Um, spent a lot of time linking up and trying to create off the half back and off the wing. Um, 7 contested possessions. Uh, let's have a look. 3 score involvements, 8 marks. Uh, what do you guys think of Ned's game? I've had to eat a lot of humble pie over, uh, over Ned McHenry. I mean, last year I really bagged the living shit out of him and said he was never going to be a footballer's backside. Um, and look, he was just like a little angry ant running around, just picking fights here and there. And, um, but as this season progressed, I just think he's just got better and better. And I agree with you, Pete. Uh, I think he was our second best player today. And I thought he was our dominant forward. He, I mean, he... He travelled a lot of ground, a lot of ground in the, uh, to get himself into the game. Um, and he, I thought he used the ball pretty well, and he set up a lot of good passages of play. So, um, yeah, as I said, I've, I've had to eat humble pie and say, yeah, he, yeah I've probably taken too high in the draft. I, I, I haven't backed down on that yet. But, uh, yeah, no, he's a reasonably good player, and uh, today I thought he was very good. Nick? You know, I've always liked him. Um, I've, I've seen what he's been able to do as a midfielder in the SANFL and that the way he will will himself into a contest, particularly that um, goal from Murphy, is purely and utterly was McHenry. Yeah. Just keeping his feet, using, even though he's little, he's quite strong. And the way he was moving his feet, but to stay upright and keep his arms free with three Melbourne players, well, one's tackling him and another two around him, to then get it out at the right time. He's got a really good football brain, which we haven't always seen. And I just really liked his effort from today. Normally we lament the fact that they're having to push up higher, but I, I think, with unfortunately, with Himmelberg going down, it, it actually made our forward line work a little bit better because we pushed Fogg to full forward and kept him there which helped, and then that allowed – there wasn't as much, I think, congestion of the wrong players going at the wrong time up, higher up the ground and, and Ned getting involved a bit more. But even though so I Lever, just really like to see that. Yeah, even though Lever got a lot of intercepts still, I think we did make an effort to try and lower the eyes and, and short kick and handball through transition to get – and that shows by the amount of uh, possessions that were sort of 60 out of our goals we – we tried to run it through uh, to that spot rather than bomb it long. Uh, and McHenry was instrumental in that. Um, he'd often have two or three possessions in a chain 
um, as we were trying to run the ball through uh, the wing area. I, the reason why I went through that centre bounce attendance is, is that I can't work out why a kid that is obviously having a good game and is showing tenacity and uh, creativity and all the rest of it, why he didn't get a, a bit of a run uh, at centre bounce. An excellent point, mate, and one I'm totally in agreement with because at the moment, the way that he is scrapping for the ball and uh, breaking away from players and bursting through, yeah, I, I think he he should have been given a go. Um, I mean, Harry Schoenberg, he, he showed what he could do when, and he had to house for the, <laughs> for the spot as well. You know, he, He's going to be a very good player in time and uh, it just would put another string of Ned's bow if he could do that. And I think, in fact, he used to always play as a midfielder, uh, is my understanding. So he played him um, as a mid in the in the twos. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, and, and as you know, but as a junior, but as a junior as well. Yeah, and uh, so uh, I really would like to see him have a crack in there. It's just you know, you just give him a few uh, every game, just give him two or three, just see how he goes. Uh, if he's successful, you give him a few more next week, and so on. So uh, I'm a hundred percent with you, uh, but. Uh, yeah, as somebody says in the chat, he just, uh, just seems to have, love that trio in the centre, Laird, Keys and Sloan. And while they might be three very good footballers, it's not a great mix for a midfield in terms of speed and et cetera, et cetera. The, the interesting thing was, that though, at the start of the year when we were winning those games and causing problems for those teams higher up the ladder, we were having Barry and even McHenry was actually doing midfield minutes. There was a few. Yeah, he did have a few yeah. minutes. Yeah. We, we, had, we had a lot more dy- um, dynamic kind of going through there. We were giving those younger players a chance to actually play where they have played most of their career instead of the, putting them at the death knell of the, the half-forward line. And now towards the end of the season, we've gone away from doing that. And, and, and I think that's, that's when we've started to – we haven't been able to stay in games for long enough because they've stuck with those – that standard. And, and Harry's just dared them to drop him from that rotation. They can't. He's doing too well. Yeah. Well, speaking of Harry, let's have a quick look. Uh, it was a quieter game, but my impression was that he was running with Petrarca a bit. Was I just seeing things? Or yeah. did you guys see that, Sue? Yeah, I did see that. Yeah. Which uh, I, I actually think was really good because that's the type of player I kind of see him as. Well, did the last time we played Melbourne that he ran with Oliver for half? He did. Yeah. Uh, anyway. And he said he, he, he Sorry, he, he, and he said he learned a lot out of doing that. And uh, I would say that running with uh, Petrarca, he would have learned a lot more again today. So, yeah. uh, uh, and he's a kid that wants to learn. So, um, and he, we can see he's going to be a good AFL player. But if you know, if he's that keen to learn from other good players around him by uh, running with them and uh, observing what they do and how they do it, yeah, he could be an even better player than he would have otherwise. Yeah. Um... Well, he's not going to win a Brownlow without learning from the best Mac and considering he's going to win a Brownlow, then, uh, you know, that's obviously a stepping stone. 16 touches, 6 kicks, 10 handballs, uh, 3 marks, 2 tackles. He was a bit quiet today. Uh, I felt like he was being led to the ball a fair bit, Harry, today. Um, uh, 7 contested possessions, turned it over a couple of times, but not too bad by his standards. 5 score involvements. 
so just a game from Harry this week. Uh, but again, yeah. 16 centre bounce attendances was good for, for <coughs> pardon me, two centre clearances. Um, so it wasn't certainly our worst, uh, but probably not quite as noticeable as maybe the last month or so. Yeah, it might be quite a game compared to what he's been doing the last two or three weeks. Um, of the rest, let me have a look here. Uh, Geordie Butts was excellent, I thought, after quarter time on Ben Brown. Um, I thought Ben Davis uh, showed a little bit, um, just to make things a bit interesting in, in list management discussions in the off-season. Uh, Nick Murray, again, had a pretty solid game. David McKay, uh, don't know why he was playing. Darcy Fogarty, um, let's let's have a, a bit of a chat about Darcy Fogarty because I think it's probably the first four-quarter game that I've seen Darcy play for quite some time. Agree. Yeah, I was kind of reasonably happy with his game. Could have been a little bit more productive, but um, it was certainly... Uh, you're right in saying that he looked like he wanted to be involved for the whole four quarters, which is a bit of a change, because sometimes you, you see him missing for a whole half and you're not, not even noticing that he's out there. So, um, yeah, I, I was pretty happy with that, uh, with, the, with that part of his game. I thought um, we didn't always use him correctly. When he made, a couple of times he made a reasonable good lead and we didn't uh, get it quite right. Um, and also sometimes he... Got a little bit too close to Lever. He should stay well away from Lever because uh, that made it even harder again. But overall, I thought, yeah, no, he gets a tick. I thought it was a pretty good game. I liked the way he was, um, a lot of his movement and his leads. A couple of times he tried with some of that body work. It didn't quite work, but you could see what he was trying to do and he was judging the fall of the ball quite well. Um, they they do have some excellent marking defenders. Um, so that. So the the performance we got out of him, knowing that they're how quite good their defence is, I was really pleased to see. And you're right; it was a four quarter effort, and I think putting him in the goal square is the right spot for him. Mm. Absolutely, well, how, the right spot. I'm sorry, but how long have I been saying give Darcy the keys and play him inside the forward thirty? Yep. Probably only two years, <laughs> and for the and I wonder whether him being engaged for four quarters is is in any way related to the fact that he knows that he's got to run at it for the next six weeks or the next six games. You know, he's basically been given the keys. Yes, Himmelberg went down, but Darcy was looking good even before Elliot went down, um, and I just need. I just need to see more of it from Darcy. I mean, look, if we got 12, kick, uh, 12 disposals and three goals, one with seven marks uh, from Taylor Walker, would be all jumping down saying he's a legend of the game. Yeah, that's what that's what we got from Darcy Fogarty today, and I think it's I think people will underestimate it. If we got that output from Tex today, uh, we would all be singing Texas praises. No doubt about it. I, I think uh, he's certainly done. He's played his role well, and he's done his job. No doubt about that. Oh, I don't actually think. I think that underestimates what we got from Fogarty. 
because we got a text like performance from Fogarty today, Mac. He was throwing his weight around. Yep. He was he was imposing himself physically. He was doing a lot of stuff off the ball, and he hit the scoreboard. Yeah, no, and, I'm in agreement. He was taking contested marks. Yeah, I, I, you're in agreement with me, but very low key. It's the best game I've seen Darcy Fogarty play for a long time. I, I think, yeah, that is the reason I'm a little bit low key. I, I think if we if he's allowed to play in this manner, where he is the main man there in the goal square and not competing with Tex, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, uh, I just think there's even better in him. I think there's a lot better in him. I think that we can get some really big games out of him. I think he's got a lot to offer. Yep. Um, Lockie Murphy, how many how many marks did we see him fly for this week? I, I can remember one. I can remember four. Well, I, just, I didn't even notice him four times, man. That was a problem. There was a, there was a couple on the wing. There was one deep in the forward line, and then there was one on the outer side, I remember. Every yeah, I remember of, the one on the forward line and on the outer side. What was his total tally of positions? Well, the one deep... Uh, Macca, if he has actually stayed down, he might have got a crumb, and that is my point. He had 11 disposals, six, seven and four, two tackles, um, three contested possessions. Um, I don't actually know what he's there for. Uh, I don't know what purpose he's serving. I know he gives us a lot. I know he does. You know, I'm not at any stage bagging him for the... Whoops, what the hell have I done here? Bagging him for his effort. Um, or anything like that. Um, but the guy just doesn't give us enough and he plays the wrong role. Plays the wrong role, in my opinion. He's, he should never be going for a mark, and I saw him go for marks continually again today. Three yeah. three turnovers, uh, only four score involvements. Um, it's time we moved on from Lockie Murphy, I'm afraid, in my opinion. Yeah, I would line him up and uh, make him stand next to a ruckman, look in the mirror so he could see what bloody size he is so he wouldn't keep uh, flying in the air all the time. No, you're quite right. His job is on the ground mostly. But um, no, he, I, he, I didn't even – I'm surprised when you said that he had that, that number of possessions because I didn't really notice him that much. Well, it's only 11. Yeah, when you spread it over four quarters, it's not much, is it? No. I'd, I'd say Murphy, Murphy's Murphy's like a little terrier in that he thinks he's a Great Dane because all those little dogs always think they're big dogs and he no, needs to understand see, he's just you don't see he's a little McHenry dog. flying for marks. I mean, Lockie Murphy, surely he's looking at the tape. Surely he's assessing his own performance and going, Jesus, if I'd have stayed down there, I could have got that crump. The one that the one in the forward line was a classic where the ball was going over the back, and he's chosen to fly over the back. And if he'd have stayed down, it would have just about fallen into his lap, you know. And there's a scoring opportunity. Instead, all he does is bring his opposition player into the game because his opponent stays down. That's a very good point. Yeah, because it's a dub- it's doubly bad, isn't it? Exactly. So uh, I, I I'm not. I don't understand. I, I know Lockie gives a hundred percent, and I respect him for that. But um, that's not the only KPI in AFL football. You've got to actually be, uh, you've got to be worthwhile. Um, Riley Thilthorpe, I thought uh, Patchy. Um, 
He's clearly looking for the finish line this year. I, I worry sometimes that he's got a bit of resting bitch face about him. <laughs> uh, he gets very uh, down on himself, and I, I feel like he's not attacking the ball in the air. Some, I think unless Riley feels he's in the perfect position at the moment, he kind of gives up on the contest a little bit. Um, but that'll come with age and strength, I think. Yeah. And to me, that's also that's a bit of a confidence thing, but I think it's also the way he's been bashed around a bit and he just seems that little bit of hesitant just to make a contest when he should be making a contest with that body of his. Um, and But as the game went on, he got better hmm. and got more involved. As I was going to say, Nick, I thought he... If you analyse his two uh, game into two halves, I thought his first half was very, very, very ordinary. And, uh, and uh, exactly being described it to a T. I thought his second half, I think he must have been shitty with himself because he tried a hell of a lot harder. He tackled a few times and he actually uh, spoiled a lot of balls. And I, I thought that he actually uh, made some positive contribution in, in the second half, whereas in the first half, I thought we got very little, if anything, out of him at all. Look, it's he's a kid. Um, exactly. He's, he has shown us how good he is, and he showed that in his first game. Yeah. Once he's got about a 50 to 60 games behind him, he's going to be some footballer. Yeah, and that little yeah, mark he you... took on the lead was uh, just showed, you know, the, the power of the kid getting out in front and taking the ball in his stride. And even the commentators sort of... Made a little gasp because it just looked so impressive, and you, we know what we've got in store for Riley. Um, you know, I just hope the kid doesn't get too down on himself. I actually think we're watching a kid who's been used to, um, used to being able to uh, utilise his his size at lower grades and maybe in junior grades, and is struggling with the fact that he's not being that's no longer uh, a key point of difference between him and his opponents. Oh, and also the fact that um, being young, uh, and he is young, uh, having every week coming up against the, the crash and bash, big uh, physical bodies who probably have had been in the game about eight to ten years, a lot more than you have, and they can yeah. hurt you when they hit you. Yeah. So uh, that eventually wears you down. And, uh, you, you know, you, you don't even re- probably realise it yourself, but every week you go out there, you're just that little bit less better. You're not yeah. quite as good. Yeah, and which he gets a stage where he got to where they had to rest him for two or three weeks. Yep, and let's be honest, he shouldn't be back in this team. He should have been put out to pasture for the rest of the season, maybe running the twos. But um, you know, we've we've seen enough, so um, I'm not uh, by no means giving Raleigh a hard time. Uh, but I do yeah. think I do think that there's a little bit of aggression when the ball's coming in over his head that he needs to work on in the off season. Yeah. Um, Shane McAdam, I thought, was a pointless uh, exercise. Um, I, I just yeah. lost. I've just lost whatever excitement I had about Shane has gone. Uh, yes, he kicked two goals, but one of them was a good, Joe the Goose, and uh, one was off a good lead, I think. But uh, he just doesn't offer enough. He only like ten disposals, five kicks, five handballs, four marks, only the one tackle. Um, you know, he's a direct contributor to our lack of forward 50 tackles. Um, I'll give him credit for one of the goals. One goal was that beautiful handball from Lynch that when he fired out 100 mile an hour right, right on his chest so that he could run straight at goal. And the other one, he ran about uh, oh, 50 to 100 yards 
metres to get to the position where Fogarty did that beautiful pass to him so he could just take the market and run into goal. But he ran from the at least the centre of the ground down there to get that. Didn't that kick of Fogs remind you of a Tex field kick? Oh, exactly. It was beautiful. Beautiful yeah. to watch. Yeah, we've got such a, a Tex claim with uh, Darcy. Um, we look, do. Uh, I think uh, McAdam could have given away for Lockie Glant, but that's just my view. Um I don't think he's the best 22 in the long run. Uh, so any other players you want to talk about? Um, uh, yeah, I thought uh, you were Mike Kelly. Yeah. Well, I'd like maybe. your opinion. I just like your opinion of his game thing. Oh, look, um, he got towed up in the last, but let's not forget he got a knee to the head. Well, that's true, actually. I suppose I'm being a little bit unkind because he he, he did get towed up in the end. And uh, I suppose he, my, I still stick it. I just, every time he's caught the ball, and he kind of earns some good balls too, he just holds it so bloody long. And just, yeah. uh, you know, there was, there was one said, point. There was one point where he had a halfway in transition. I think he was on the wing, uh, had a bit of space around him, and he just stood there. I saw he ignored two good leads, and then he yep. just bombed it in. That's probably the one that really got me upset about with him today. Um, I, I usually try and stick up from where possible, but I found him indefensible in that particular issue, and that sort of turned me against him a little bit. But he did get that nasty uh, uh, hit in the head, so... Uh, wasn't think, having a great game up to then, but I, you know, I, he did get a fairly heavy knock. I was actually surprised to see him back out on the ground, um, but um, Fritch certainly stitched him up uh, before then, and he, and then in the last one, they were just waltzing it out of the middle. I mean, Kelly's not the type of player. Kelly, Kelly wasn't really the right matchup for Fritch, uh, but unfortunately, we probably didn't have no. anyone who was. See, for, for me, Davis was actually the right matchup for France. Kelly's not in the side, and you have somebody like a Worrell or, you know, depending on how they've set up the other ones, if you need that, the smaller one, then Hamill is, would have been more ideal um, as, yeah. as a replacement for there. Probably because you have to have pace to go with him because he's a... Yep. He is re- he's very quick off the mark, and if you've given him just a little start, you can't catch him, and that's no. exactly how he could take the ball very easily indeed. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, we all know it's hard for a defender when it's getting laced out into an open forward line. It's almost impossible. Um, I felt like Benny Davis actually did a pretty good job on uh, Cozzy Pickett, although I feel like yeah. Melbourne, Melbourne were playing Cozzy away from goals, which was unusual. Um I don't know what they, they were did. doing there. Maybe just messing around with something. But uh, we didn't see a lot of Cozzy, and I'll put, I'll give, uh, I'll give um, Ben the tick for that. Um, saw a little bit of chase. Uh, uh, oh, I was just going to talk about one of the other forwards as well, who probably didn't have too many stats, but we just still saw some nice glimpses for him in Cook. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, it didn't get a lot of it, to be honest with you, Braden. Um, he only had the six touches um, and didn't hit the scoreboard. But uh, when he gets the ball, and he'll get it a lot more often as his career progresses, but when he gets the ball, you can just see a little bit of class about him, which I really yeah. like. Yeah. And so what do you think his future is, Fane? 
In terms of what? With us. Well, I think we've already discussed that, haven't we? I don't think there's any doubt he's got a future with us. Yeah, fair enough. Sorry. Um, Yeah, no, I just, you know, second game in, you cut the guy some slack playing against the top team. Um, He's definitely got a future with us. He's he's going to be a very handy um, forward wing type player who can sneak sneak up and kick a goal, in my opinion. Yeah, but do you think he's going to be a regular next year? Oh, of course he is. Yeah. Why wouldn't he be? Uh, uh, well, he's shown look. He's shown good glimpses at this stage, um, and I suppose when you're coming in the, against Harden, well, in this uh, in this game in particular against a very quality team, I suppose it is hard to get the ball. But um, yeah, no, he, I, I think he, I think he's shown that he's got some quality about him, and um, if he can produce that for a full game, he could be very good. Yeah, well, you don't get a, you don't get many debuts having seventeen touches, Mac. No, no, actually, Darfit was very, very good. I thought, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, so um, yeah, no, definitely, uh, definitely got a future with us. Um, you know, I would have liked to have seen uh, his mate Lockie um, Glant, as I mentioned, come in as well. But uh, Braden had to earn his stripes in the twos. He's still pretty slight. He needs to. Uh, Hit the gym in the off season, and probably for the next couple of off seasons, I would imagine. But uh, I think he'll always be a, a fairly light-footed but classy um, uh, half-forward type, maybe wing, maybe wing, um, and uh, yeah, definitely part of the future, in my opinion. You're talking about Gallant now? No, I'm talking about. I'm oh, sorry, did you mention Gallant? I got. Uh, yeah, no, um, I was going to probably say, oh, I was thinking Galant, because uh, I was going to say to you, that, do you, you know, you reckon he should have got a game today, and he probably should have. Um, do you think he's going to be part of our future thing? Well, I don't know, Mac, because um, we haven't seen him. How can we possibly make a call if we haven't seen him? I mean, he looks great in the twos, in my opinion. I know, but uh, there aren't that many players left that uh, aren't re-signed. No, I know, and that's a concern, isn't it? And it makes you wonder whether that's why, whether there's an issue there, uh, whether there's a correlation between his contract status and the fact that he hasn't been given a run, whereas just about every other junior now, except Fish, and uh, I think it's... uh, Fish should be the only other kid that we've got, I think, that hasn't had a run this season. Um, Yeah, it, it makes you wonder... Yeah, and, uh, I mean, even Ben Davis getting the run. And do you, and what do you think? Well, two, three games in five years. Uh, and, yeah, I didn't think he was all that bad today, Ben Davis. But I can't see a permanent role there for him because he actually filled in uh, where there was a hole today. You know, with oh, Smith out. I, I could definitely see a role for him as a running halfback flanker macker. I think he did that, did that role very well and, uh, you know, held his own defensively as well. I don't think there's a problem with that and uh, it makes you wonder whether a bloke like Brody Smith is worth more to us on the trade table than uh, in the 22. Well, yeah, we're going to be in a situation, um, and I know you guys will probably t- uh, talk about Tuesday night, but it's a situation that we've signed up so many lately and then when you look at the number that are left, and you, and uh, you, you'd think that we'd want to trade, you know, at least take five people to the trade. 
that means somebody's got to go. And um, yeah, it's the, the ones that uh, they're on the periphery, like uh, Ben Davis and Gallant, and they're not they're not necessary people that you want to get rid of, but you may have to. Well, I don't understand why you would keep a, a kid like Ben Davis on the list for as long as we have, and then just right at the end of his contract uh, start playing him. It doesn't make a lot of sense uh, to it me. It doesn't. Um, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. You know, I that's don't know why you well, and that's I'm, I'm giving you my opinion. It doesn't make any sense. I would have I would have stuck with Ben and and give Ben given Ben gains a lot sooner than this, you know. And Lockie Gallant is another. We've we've done the same with other kids that we've since delisted where we didn't really develop them. Uh, Lockie Gallant uh, had a string of form uh, coinciding with Braden Cooks when we were crying out for a little bit of something different up forward, and couldn't get a run. Uh, and then we bring in Shane McAdam instead of Lockie Glant. You know, we bring Lockie Murphy straight back into the 22 when he was fit. Lockie Murphy doesn't deserve that. He He's not a first-choice twenty best 22 straight back in without a run. You know, I, I, I'm not sure. So I'd be disappointed if, we, uh, if Lockie Glant didn't sign back on without having seen him play in the ones. Um, but... The way things are travelling, it wouldn't surprise me if that's what the outcome is. Um, yeah, actually, uh, in the chat, J&M, J&M says they're not delisting him. It, that's only part of the equation. He may not want to sign back on, J&M. Yeah, well, yeah, well that's yet to be seen. Um, and I do agree, O'Connell will definitely be delisted. That'll be one of them. Well, yeah, I I think, what what do you think about that, Nick? I, I think, uh, unfortunately, uh, O'Connor might be uh, might be on the outer. Yeah, um, definitely. Which was such a pity because we never we never really got a chance to see what he could possibly deliver. Um, and he's another one of those because he is that, such that taller midfielder. We couldn't put him on a half forward flank, which is where we like to bring in our midfielders to play if we had to bring him in we had to bring him in and put him in the guts and as per our conversation earlier we don't like to do that with those with those midfielders we had a, a, a set ones who were in there and we don't like to push them out the interesting thing for me with Davis is everybody always talks about those those five years he's been five years on the list but when we got him first he was injured and we knew that He's also done his knee, so there's another year that we've lost. Then he had another two years with long-term injuries. So realistically, in terms of chances for him to actually play, there have been less numbers than those five years. And I agree that he should have come in earlier and been given a chance. But the problem is that we have those good citizens who are professional who aren't quite top-tier AFL players, but they're okay AFL players, and we persist in playing them in Kelly and Murphy, etc. Lynch should have been phased out a long time ago because Davis was initially being trained up to do that role. We brought him in for one game down at the category, cat, um, category which was an absolute death knell 
for a poor kid trying to do that. He had an almost game and then we decided that wasn't good enough and he back to the twos for how long and then he got injured again and didn't get another chance. Um, for me, I would really like to keep Davis on the list. I think he should stay on. We say goodbye to Kelly. Thank you for your service. You've set the standards. That's fine. You can go somewhere else and set the standards Sanford's standards there now. Um, Gallant is that interesting one. You're right. We, we haven't heard a peep about the contracts of whether he has signed on or not. He's performed so well just like Cook had. We've had those chances and said they've brought in Riley Tilthorpe, who's too tired and we've seen it when we could have brought Gallant in in kind of in one of those places. It's it's frustrated me towards the end of this season when we've had these chances to play these younger players and the club's still being too hesitant to do so. We are in a rebuild. If you are serious about that rebuild, you've got to give these kids exposure at that level to give them a try. Well, that's pretty good stuff then, Nikki. I agree with just about everything you said there. Um, I, nothing, uh, just talking about Ben Davis, and he, as you said, he got a chance and then he didn't, it was at the Cattery, and I remember that one, he was, he had a shocker actually. Well, he got um, his hands, he got his hands to the ball. He didn't have a shocker, Macca. He didn't have a shocker. at all. He was, he was so proactive. He was getting his hands to the ball. He actually got a lot of arm hits and those kind of ones, and they were dropping out. If it was played the past couple of years, he would have had so many frees. Well, if if he was in another team, he would have had so many frees as a forward because um, our forwards don't get those. That was um, the start of my sentence. What I was going to say is I, I thought he had a poor game anyhow, and I thought his second game that he had a, was a poor game. Both times they played him in the forward lines. This game, they played him in the back lines, and I thought he looked very, very good and very natural and very comfortable in the back lines. And he had and good he, disposal. And his disposal coming out was excellent. And He's got lovely disposal. Yeah, and to me, it looked a totally different player to the player that played in the forward line. And, you know, it is much harder to play forward line because you've got to have your pressure from, uh, on you all the time. Bit too, where it, I just thought he read the play very well. I thought he tackled very well. I just thought I liked him. And um, whereas I wouldn't have given you two bob for him as a forward, I would like to keep him if, if it's possible in the back line because um, I thought he showed a little bit of class at times when he had the ball. All right. Now, just before we finish up, of course, uh, 1990 has been sitting there for about a day with his hand up. <laughs> so let's bring him in. Let's bring you in 1990 and you can uh, give us your uh, learned views and, of course, anyone else that wants to have a quick say, uh, now would be the time to do so. 1990, how are you going, mate? Good, mate. How are you going? I'll be quick tonight. Um, I thought James Seller was pretty good. Who's that? Hello? Hello, are you there, 99? He was very quick tonight. <laughs> Are you there, mate? Sounded like you said James Seller. That's, That's what, what he I did say. He and, and then and then he sank into a coma. I'm going to kick you out, 99. You get your <laughs> audio sorted and stick your hand up when you got your audio sorted. Um, James Seller, I'm, I'm sure it was a snide remark, but I'm, I don't know who he was actually trying to trying to. Uh, 
trying to troll there. Any idea? <laughs> oh, here he is. Come back in. Let's see what... Uh, explain yourself, 1990. Can, can you hear me? Is that better? Yeah, that's yeah. Better. Who was James oh, I was just making a joke about... Um, NT Rabbit's um, comparison between Darcy Fogarty and James Seller going back six weeks. Um, <laughs> who, made that, who, made that, who made that comparison? NT Rabbit. NT Rabbit. Yeah, yeah. Not a fan. Uh, oh, I, I think um, Darcy Fogarty had his best game for his entire career today. Um, I was very happy with that. I agree. I, I think it's been underplayed, 1990, to be honest. Yeah, I really liked it. Is that it? What else, mate? No, that's it. Hello? No, he's having audio trouble and that's all we've got time for. <laughs> Anyone else oh, want to have quali- a say? Quality, not quantity. That's right. Anyone else want to have a say? Uh, put your hand up now. Uh, just winding up. I think, look. Uh, last game of the, of the season, obviously next week against North. Uh, not a lot to play for. Um, certainly, except the big two. Well, certainly well, we want uh, we want to lose, or we don't want to we don't want to win by much. <laughs> no, no, no. If we if we win, we go we jump ahead of Collingwood. We're on exactly the same number of points. Yeah, They're no, not going to win. Who's got Collingwood's first pick? GWS. That's right. Yeah. Oh, bloody GWS getting Collingwood's. For- Pick two, for God's sake. Um, yep. All right. Uh, look, North are in pretty good nick, uh, so you wouldn't mind betting that uh, perhaps uh, they will be too good for us, but uh, I don't think... We haven't been played too badly. We pushed uh, Port Adelaide. We you know, we pushed Western Bulldogs for a while. We pushed Melbourne for a while. Um, you know, it should actually... If both teams actually come out... And uh, to play football, it, it, it's got the uh, the trappings of a, of a good game, but uh, it'll be very interesting to watch the selections this week. I think yes, because uh, both, both these two sides, uh, you know, they might be seventeenth and eighteenth, but they have played very very well against the top sides, and they've uh, you know not I mean uh, even though North lost today, they they played very very well for most of the game, and we and us as, as well. So it's, it's capable of being a quality game, but um, North, I think, can afford to go for the win because they, even if they win, they can, they still remain bottom, and uh, so they they'll probably go. They probably will go for the win. Um, I would be disappointed if we didn't have a few players that needed a rest and uh, and give a couple of blokes put a Lockie Gallant in for his first game, etc., uh, etc. Uh, I'll be having quite a few new boys in there. Well, I'll just uh, finish up the the podcast with one thing, and I'm sure that Pete and I will discuss it at more length on Tuesday night. But there's one result that has turned this into a dead rubber, and that was that useless, what's the point yep. of winning game against Hawthorne a month ago? And people oh, say... People saying, oh, you know, but it's good for team morale and all the rest of it. We've just had three solid losses against the Western Bulldogs, Port Adelaide and Melbourne. And I would say that each of those games we've taken uh, positive stuff out of and yet we've won, we've lost three of them. And yet 
we're supposed to take some sort of, uh, you know, cultural positive out of beating Hawthorne, who were just around us in on the ladder. It was the most ridiculous win, and it has cost us a chance at picking Jason Horn Francis. And if anyone watched the South Adelaide game, um, even though North um, on Saturday uh, did a number on South, you just see that the kind of talent that you're talking about. And the other kid that played, well, there were Matty Roberts obviously played and played well. The other kid to keep your eye on is Arlo Draper, because even though it was his debut at seniors, and it took him a little while to work into the game, but gee whiz, uh, there's some flashes from Arlo. I've been a bit of a fan of his uh, all, all year, and uh, I wouldn't mind grabbing him with a second rounder. But uh, I tell you what, that that game versus Hawthorne has cost us dearly, in my opinion. And I'm in the same camp as you've been. I was so angry that we won that particular game because we. I thought, now we have blown it. We have blown because we now there's no logical way that we can get back to be uh, in a position to get Horn. And I know it goes with a, a wooden spoon goes with it, but with a wooden spoon last year came Phil Fort. If you get a wooden spoon next uh, again this year, you get a Horn. So uh, remember always than one. And um, <laughs> so uh, it's. Yeah, it's something that's worth getting right, a few. All right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anymore. Do you share that view, Nikki? I'm just shaking my head. We can't see that because you won't put your face on camera. <laughs> For good reason. So do you share that view? Uh, about the Hawthorne game? Yeah. Uh. At the time, because I was so pissed <laughs> at the way the umpiring and everything was going, like I was okay to lose it, and then the umpiring turned shit and was against us, and then I just kind of got angry and wanted to win. <laughs> but after the game, it was like, oh, we possibly shouldn't have done that. Um, and it's very interesting because at the time, I know that you and Pete were talking about did were we outfoxed by Clarkson because, of course, he needed to tank to get the better draft picks, and then they got rid of him the following week And he after playing. us. And all of us. Uh, yeah, and all of a sudden Hawthorne are playing so much better. Oh, what happened there? So, yes, I, I think we very much got um, we got Clarkson'd. Yeah. Uh, yeah, even when, they, even when we beat them, Hawthorne beat us. Yes. Look, it it it's going to piss me off to watch Jason run around in, in a North Melbourne Guernsey for the next couple of years. And uh, the problem is that uh, when he eventually comes back to South Australia, um, Port Adelaide will be his preference, and I'm sure Port Adelaide will welcome him with open arms um, when Travis Boak retires and they need to replace him with a young gun. Um, so... Just uh, just an all-round shit show, that one. A real wasted opportunity. And, yes, Matty Roberts is good. I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a pick two. So, And we're getting off the wraps uh, topic, so I'll leave this in a sec. But, you know, now we're left with the thing of do we pick a genuine pick two and, and ignore Matty Roberts or do we uh, trade down uh, and maybe uh, trade down to four or five and, and uh, something else? And and take Matty Roberts, uh, you know, in the uh, in the middle of the top ten, which is probably where he's going to go. 
I don't know. It's been mismanaged completely. Well, I'm in the same camp as you, Thane, 100%. Yep. Anyway, look, thanks very much to everyone who's joined us on the chat tonight and on the live studio audience and uh, also on YouTube, of course, and Twitch. Don't forget that Peter and I will be back on Tuesday night for Tuesday Night Live where I'm sure we'll have a lot more of this conversation, so get around that. Uh, Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Don't forget to uh, give us a like and a subscribe on YouTube if that's the platform that you're watching us on. And uh, if you want to support the cast, get around patreon.com forward slash AFL Crowcast. It's much much appreciated. Until then, Macca, nice to have you back on deck tonight. I loved it. Very good fun. And Nikki, a pleasure as always. (laughs) It was lovely to have Macca back. We missed him in the second half last week. We certainly did. Uh, Well, you know, some of us did. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's all for tonight. Uh, Stay safe, everyone, and we'll see you on Tuesday night. Yeah, good night all. Night all.